For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. It's episode 239 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're going to talk about some Star Wars this week. And guess what? We're going to keep on loving you. Because that's the only thing we want to do. Um, how's your week been, buddy? been good how's yours been it's been good i gotta it's been tell a wet you one. yes dude it's i'm so soggy. tired of the rain outside super sog so uh you know our buddy steve mcmahon he's been on the show before he uh yes. he starts every episode off with blue harvest baby woo he sings us a little ditty before our um uh voicemails and email segment he hooked me up with Japanese dubbed Star Wars this week. Oh, that's cool. And like I've had this strategy. Like, oh, I'll I'll watch Japanese dubbed Star Wars cuz you know I've been taking Japanese lessons and maybe it'll help because I know those movies so well. Maybe I'll pick up something here and there. Well, it took about 2 seconds of watching Japanese <laughs> dubbed Star Wars before I was like, "Oh, this is way more advanced than I'm ready for." But <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, it took about two seconds, and I was speaking the Japanese in Star Wars. No, no, sir. But it is so awesome. I've been posting some little clips from the different movies um, over on our Instagram page and on our Twitter page. And speaking of which, uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter twitch and instagram at blue harvest pod you can email us at blue harvest podcast at gmail.com we have a patreon page if you want to support our stupid little show um, for as little as three dollars a month you get access to our patreon exclusive rss feed where we post all kinds of different bonus shows shows like cooking with will 
which is about to have a new episode go up any day now. I've got it in my hands. I just got to tinker episode and Episode 8. It. Yep. A Night at the Grill. A Night at the Grill. I saw that title and I was like, oh, that sounds lovely. Um, so that'll be going up. And we have so many other shows. Star Wars Year by Podcast, Blue Harvest Adventures, Jaws, so many. So check us out at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And check out our new YouTube page. Um, I might do a little something with the, the dubbed versions of Star Wars on the YouTube. I'm not sure yet. Trying to figure out um, some kind of cool way to turn the Japanese dub versions of Star Wars into some kind of content for this show. Um, since it's so visual, it might be kind of hard. I will play one for you real quick, Will. Okay. Um, so you know the the Yoda quote that starts off our show? My favorite Yoda scene, one of my favorite scenes in Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, where he's like, the tree, a rock. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Well, are you ready? This is that scene from the Japanese dub of the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. It still gives me the goosebumps just hearing it in Japanese with that John Williams score. I know, dude. That <laughs> shows you the uh, universal language of Star Wars. Oh. And what a passionate language Japanese is. There's mm -hmm. a lot of passion. Mm -hmm. Like, and I mean, you probably are better at it if you're a native Japanese speaker, but sometimes some of the dialogue that's given in, you know, Japanese film and anime is so passionately given, delivered. You know what I mean? Right. Um, before we get into the Star Wars chat this week, I got to take an aside. This is not Star Wars related at all, but it has been cracking me up so much this week. Will, are you familiar with a service called Cameo? Yeah, where famous people will leave you a voicemail or FaceTime or something. Yeah, they'll send you a video. Like you can, you pay. Personalized. A, yeah, and, and sometimes the famous people is in heavy quotation marks. Right. You know what I mean? You're really stretching the definition of the, the term No, I famous. know what you mean. Somebody that was on the OC for one season or something. <laughs> oh, that would, I mean, that's top tier in some cases. You're talking like bottom of the barrel reality stars and things like that. But there's, there's also, you know, fairly famous. I know there's people. a lot of old Disney Channel folks, like folks that used to do the Disney shows. Well, are you familiar with the, uh, the singer Vince Neil? Of Vince. Motley Crue? Yes. Okay. He had a bunch of plastic surgery and was on VH1 about it or something. Did he have? I don't know about the plastic surgery. I just he, know. He did one of those extreme makeovers, like uh, where they give him liposuction and, you know, facelift and they do all the stuff at once. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, this had to be five, ten years ago, maybe. All I know about him is they're doing a a reunion tour this year. And there was like rumors going along that like they made it. They were like, look, if the, if we're going to sign you guys up for this reunion tour, 
He's got to get his fucking act together. He's got to lose some weight and get sober because he's a wreck right now. Well, apparently, uh, this family of this guy decided to book Vince Neal for a cameo for his birthday. And this was the message that, that Vince Neal was supposed to read. Okay, so pay attention. This was the message he was supposed to read on the cameo. Happy birthday to Derek from Christian, Mom, Tanya, Ethan, and Blake. Shout out the devil to start off this new decade and take the opportunity to kickstart your auto search and sales. Listen to the doctor and feel good about the big 4 in 2020. So, you know, like a sort of run of the meal, mill. It's That's, got some yeah. Motley Crue puns in it and shit. Right? Yeah, lots of yeah song titles and puns and stuff. Well, are you ready to hear what actually <laughs> was said? Here is the actual cameo video that this dude received for his 40th 40th birthday. Hey, Decker, this is Vince Neal. I want to say happy birthday, brother. Uh, This is actually from uh, uh, Christian, Mom, Ethan, and Blake. So uh, keep on rocking, shout the devil, and uh, and do do some feel-good stuff in in big big old four-row, you man. All right. See you later. Man. (laughs) That reunion tour is going to be a disaster. Or it's going to be the most lit thing you've ever (laughs) seen in your life. That is the voicemail you leave your cousin when you're (laughs) fucked up and you forgot it was his birthday. And you're like, hey, brother. I wanted to say happy birthday. I was thinking about you and all the fun that we've had. All right, brother, rock on in the free world. Do some feel good stuff. Feel good stuff. Big in the four o. Big four o. dot com. Forevermore. So, yeah. Uh, uh, in, in what ties uh, segue into that? I read a story where uh, old Mister Dick Van Dyke himself joined cameo, and I was like, hell yeah, Dick Van Dyke, like. If I got a birthday message from him, I would be like super happy. Like he's one of the coolest actors of all time. Well, there you go. I'll keep that in mind. Dick Van Dyke. Um, yeah, dude. I have been laughing at the big has do some feel good stuff and big four O. That kind of sounded like Bill Cosby. What thing? Do some big four some big stuff in the big four O. Let me stir my martini with my finger. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about some Star Wars. So, uh, as we know, the OV-1 series has been uh, delayed, put on hold temporarily, we hope, while uh, the scripts are reworked and gotten into shape and things. Well, this week we got a little bit of an update on the Cassian series. Um, Diego Luna sort of briefly commented on it and said that it's filming this year, that Tony Gilroy is coming back and that they've sort of figured out a way to make him look a little younger. Cause you know, it's going to take place before rogue one, obviously. Uh, and that was about all he really had to offer, but it sounds like it's a go for this year. So that's good news. Uh, good news. At least, you know, that's great news by the way. 
Yeah. Interesting to see that Tony Gilroy, the man who, I guess in Disney's eyes, saved Rogue One, is the one being brought back on um, to handle the series, especially considering he didn't seem to have uh, very positive feelings about the experience. Or, I guess, Star Wars in general. There's some, I guess, director apprehension about the Star Wars saga. Because Taika Waititi was quoted this week as, you know, people keep asking if he's going to do a Star Wars movie. And he's like, only if I'm sure it's not a career killer, you know, career suicide. Like, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is well, it, why are Star Wars movies career suicide? I don't. So I read that article and it wasn't specific. He didn't say that specifically about Star Wars. He said, I'm open to do just about any movie as long as it's not career suicide. I see. So he didn't directly throw star wars under the bus um he did say that like i mean he didn't it was weird it seemed like a non-statement in a way where he was like uh i think it's being blown out of proportion do i know people at lucasfilm yes have i talked to people at lucasfilm yes but i mean that's obvious he worked for them uh, you know, i was about to say he, you know he, yeah he was an actor from the mandalorian and directed an episode right yeah so um it could just be a matter of him trying to play coy about the whole thing. Even if he is going to do a Star Wars movie, it's a little ways out. Because he's going to be wrapped up in the production of Thor this year. That comes out next year towards the end. So it's very likely that if he's going to do a Star Wars movie, the earliest he would be available would be like 2022. And that's if he doesn't want to go off and do a smaller movie in between or something. Yeah. You know, and this is all if he's involved in star Wars. And then I was reading an article about him today where I totally forgot he was attached to do the live action Akira movie, which got pushed back so he could do Thor. And in the article I was reading today, he was like, I think it's still happening. It just may not be happening with me. So, He may or may not be involved with Akira. And if if he does go ahead with Akira, then that pushes involvement with Star Wars back even further, I would imagine. I so. would take it because I would trust Akira in Taika Waititi's hands. Probably more so than most people. Yeah. Directors, I'm just thinking. I think that could be very cool. That could be very cool. Um, we'll see. You know, an Akira live action movie has been one of those things that's been tossed around, I feel like, since I first since got the there. Since the 90s, yeah. right? Yeah, so it, it's it's an inevitability. It will happen someday, but I don't know that anybody should be holding their breath waiting on it. Seems like one of those development hell projects. <clears throat> um, I just want to see Kaneda on that bike. Yeah, I want to see that bike specifically in live action. That's going to be cool. And I want to see Tetsuo explode into the, you know, the god blob or whatever he is. Yeah, and I did, I in the article I was reading today, uh, I found it interesting in like, in a good sign that he was saying, well, my idea for Akira is not adapting the animated movie. I want to adapt the manga's. And that's complete, not completely different, but fairly different. Well, it also goes on like the the animated movie is only about like 
half of the story or something. It goes on for quite I mean, a bit a afterwards. Fraction, like way less than even yeah. that. So, uh, I you know, I thought that was a good sign that he wasn't looking to just adapt what we've already gotten. He was looking to adapt the source material that that was adapted from, you know? Right. Um, I finished Resistance today. Did you really? Yeah. Um, I'm What'd a little mixed on the finale, to be honest. Yeah. I will say this, as far as wrapping up the story of the characters and stuff, I was mostly satisfied with it. Right. Um, I guess, I don't know. I guess I was just expecting more of a tie-in with the events of episode nine or yeah. it to lead into episode nine in some way a little more. But it really did just turn out to be focused mainly on the Colossus and that group of the First Order that's been hunting them down right? all season. Um, I thought the action was pretty good with like Kaz and um, Tam and Jaeger on the, uh, the Star Destroyer sort of mm -hmm. sabotaging it and stuff and trying to escape. Right. I was glad to see fucking, if I'm not mistaken, Ruckland's gone. DD Mega Doodoo Ruckland is no more, right? I I think so. I mean, that's the assumption. Yeah, he goes down with the Star Destroyer. Like, uh, it's so good. Um, and the I guess it was the episode before, or maybe two episodes before, when the First Order tracks them to that new planet to EOS or whatever. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a really cool episode and had some neat like dog fighting action. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just felt like it kind of that... like I'm not happy or not unhappy with the way it wrapped up necessarily, but it just kind of seemed a little less. It ended prematurely to me. Yeah, it ended. That's they built a story that had legs and then cut it off at season two. There was a third season, if not a fourth one in there. I mean, you could have stretched, you know, that Tam coming home thing into the third season. You know, like, yeah, and that does go down really quick. I and, and there's no consequences for her, you know. It, um, and not that the good guys would make her suffer anyway, but, you know, there's just no price. She doesn't really pay a price except yeah. for what she did to herself. I mean, we're not talking about, like, someone who has gone – is fully dark side as other characters. You're in right. Star Wars. She didn't murder anybody. Yeah, and and it has been built up. I feel through this second season where you saw the conflict and like how she yeah. she did I help no, them escape a couple of times or whatever. It so. was obvious that she was looking to get off right. that ship by the end. Like you knew she was done. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. Uh. It just wrapped up so quickly, and then they were so like... So instantly. Yeah. And no sort of, we... like, hints to a connection to Episode Nine. Like, right. I think it would have been really cool if it ended with them getting the Emperor's um, broadcast that you read about in The Crawl from Episode Nine, the dead speak and whatnot. Yeah. Or what if it ends with Lando and Chewie showing up, rallying the troops? Oh, that's cool. Because we know... Jaeger's um ship uh um Tora's ship and the fireball Kaz's ship show up in that battle in episode nine um so that would have been cool I'll say this 
I think Tora's mom is one of my favorite characters in the show now. She's almost like a, like a cross between Yoda and Princess Leia. You know what I mean? Like, I say Yoda. She's very action, but she's very wise. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Maybe a cross between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Han Solo. That's probably a better, a better cross. That's one thing that I think an extra season uh, would have been good for is we would have seen more of that character. And fleshing out the pilots. Bro, I feel like I got two hype phase on episodes, a half of, you know, the Empire guy, and then a half of the Swedish chick. And then none of the um, the guy that looks like the jet flow clown, you know, none yeah. of him. Like, yeah, um, nothing about space racing. You have the Colossus and the Anti Colossus, and like, dude, that was set up for a final battle, or I oh, don't, you know, like. And dude, there is there. I feel like there were so many sort of like dangling threads that were just not picked up left again. out there. Yeah. For instance, the two force sensitive kids or whatever that they. They rescue that live on the Colossus. Like, right. They don't do much with them. And then the lady who does the um, relic hunting, she's in those two episodes and then nothing more from her. Yeah, right. Um, uh, really, honestly, Aunt Z, like she's such a staple in the Colossus, you feel like there's more going on there. You know? Oh, like, and poor fucking Orko and, um, and his buddy. What is it? Is it Blitz? No. Orko, it's not, it's Orca, not Orko. Orko's from He-Man. He-Man. Um, Orko is annoying. Eh. Yeah, Orko can, I can, I can take some Orko in, in certain doses. <laughs> I like Orko, all right. He's not Dude, the as, worst. As a kid, for me, he was a tall drink of annoying. Yeah. I don't know. In the context of, I mean... You watch those old uh, filmation He-Man cartoons, and I'll be honest, a lot of it's a tall drink of annoying. Oh, it's, yeah, it's I super uh, campy. So in that context, I think Orko fits in just fine. That's very true because with my kid, I got the first and second season of the original animated Ninja Turtles. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I haven't even put the second disc in, and I was like, ooh, it, it's gotten weak already. Because the original first season is really good, Ink and Paint cartoons. And then there's something, okay, the Ninja Turtles movie comes out, and they feel like, okay, we've got to animate them a little more accurate to the movie Ninja Turtles. So their eyes are a little different, and the animation style is just a little different, only a hair different. But it's enough where I can tell, and I'm like, mm, well, not the same thing. It's not interesting that you bring here. this up, because this past week... I watched a documentary called Turtle Power that our buddy oh, yeah. Chris Fresh over at the Geek Dudes recommended to me. And yeah. it's just, it's a, you know, it's a documentary about the Ninja Turtles. And I didn't realize that when they went to do the animated series, they only contra initially contracted for like a five episode miniseries. And then... Mm -hmm. When I I don't remember the full specifics of how the deal goes down, but they were like, we should do more. And initially they didn't want to. So I don't know if it was playmates that didn't want to or what, but they ended up going back and doing more after that five. So that might be the change you're seeing there. And I'm it sure might it is not even necessarily be as a result of the movie. 
I well, the don't thing know that, that caught my sure. attention was that clips from the movie were cut into the opening montage. Oh, really? You know, like, yeah, little minor clips from the mm. movie were cut into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Did you know Chuck Lorre wrote that song? Yep. As a struggling uh, songwriter in the 80s? I did I know Chuck Lore to thank for one of the the pieces in my brain that will never leave me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. What's sad is the the co creators aren't necessarily as tight as they used to be. That's yeah, one and, of the saddest things. To and me. the documentary sort of goes over that as well. And uh, they seem to be in a little better place than they right. were than when they first split, but. You're, it also becomes pretty apparent that you're talking about two dudes that are just different people. Vastly is, yeah. different. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and one of the interesting things about Ninja Turtles watching it with the kid is that it gets weird quick. You know what I mean? Like, it starts off Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Shredder. Oh, there's Krang. Here's an extra-dimensional brain being. And then he's bringing through rock people and the neutrinos. And mm. then you get... Like it, it starts to get weird quick, and um, I and that's where that's why I remind myself that some of these other Ninja Turtle things, like to me, they weren't my favorite because they were so weird. You know, like I don't need to see the Ninja Turtles fighting aliens. I really want to see the Ninja Turtles fight Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady and the Foot Clan. But that's very comics. It's very I TV. Think... It's very I don't know. It's not as fantastical is fighting extra dimensional beings and aliens and shit. I think that's on the other side of things. Part of what drew, drew me to it as a kid that it was like, there were aliens and extra dimensions right. and stuff. And I'll tell you this, one of my most wanted Ninja Turtle toys as a kid that I never got was the Krang Android body that you put oh, the little Krang in his tummy. Yeah, man. I wanted that toy so bad as a kid. I had just about every Ninja Turtle toy. I mean, I think I had the Krang. I think I had the van, the blimp. And there was like a water, a sewer water kind of thing. I definitely had the the van, the party and wagon. the Technodrome. I had the Technodrome. Oh, I didn't have the Technodrome. And I wanted it so bad. Also very cool. Lots of cool toys in that line. Yeah. Um, anyways. They had the right idea. Uh, back to Resistance. I did enjoy it, but I felt like the finale left me wanting. Uh, I don't know that I felt fully resolved or something at the end of it. I'll tell you that I didn't. It was cool to see Tam join back up with the gang and everybody be cool. And the scene where Kaz is like, I got to leave. I got to go join up with the resistance. That's that's what I'm meant to be doing. And Niku gets all upset. That was really well done. Um, I knew that wasn't in the finale. Um, but yeah, it just, I could have used a little more or um, maybe some extra episodes. I don't know. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with those characters going forward. Um, I guess we can Kaz? assume that at least three of them show up in the battle in rise of Skywalker, but, Past yeah. that, you know, who knows? And Kaz got very proficient mm -hmm. at both being a pilot and a spy. Um, he never shook off the goofiness, which was kind of which kind of brought it all home at the end when Niku was like, "I learned from you know, I learned how to be a spy from watching you, Kaz. Like mm -hmm. you're, 
your your incompetence puts everybody at ease. Like you couldn't possibly be a spy. And that kind of I needed to hear that because I was like I was ready for Kaz to grow up and be a badass, you know? And I know that's not the show, but I was ready for him to be I don't know, you know, the Han Solo of the you know, the show basically be the best pilot and the you know the the spy supreme but it was for kids i you know like that's well, not it's not aimed for me it's not aimed for me and a badass cast you know that's not i i feel like i got enough of that like i got enough of it, a different like it was complete yeah, yeah i just between you know what i'm saying between um like if you look at him in the first few episodes versus the last few of season two like i'm happy with sort of the evolution of kaz like he's a he's an awesome pilot we get to see that like um and you know he plays a you know a big role in the big final battle against the star destroyer and stuff i don't need him to be like super slick nailing everybody with blasters i kind of like the character detail that he's not great with blasters I mean, he's not he he's brave, but not in a violence way, and that's the thing. I guess that that's why I'm. Why well, I was expecting, you know, he, yeah, like, he's brave. He's brave. He'll do whatever it takes to get the job done, but he doesn't really want to hurt anybody or get in a fight to do it. He's pretty much avoiding and running from fights the entire series. Yeah, unless he's in a starfighter, right? But yeah, um. It really makes me wonder, like, not just with Resistance. I think Resistance will be lower on the totem pole as far as this goes. But, like, what will the legacy of some of this Star Wars stuff be years from now? I think Resistance doesn't stand a great chance. I'm about to say, I was like, I'm scared Resistance is just going to be a flash memory. Yeah. You know, flashbulb memory. And I think there will be plenty of people, I'm not saying that, that rem- remember it fondly and love the characters. And and there'll be people that, you know, continue to do fan art and fan fiction and things like that. But I just don't know what the overall legacy of it is. Like, I feel like I mean, Rebels... Rebels brought in three Jedi. I mean, one that was already established, but, you know... <coughs> Well, so much of Rebels was tied into a beloved established property in the Clone Wars. And it, it further furthered some of those storylines and concluded some of those storylines. And I feel like the legacy of Rebels will ultimately end up being much stronger than Resistance. But then on the other hand, I wonder about things like Rogue One and Solo. What were their legacies be years from now? Like... Rogue One clearly is, there's plenty of people that love it. It did really well at the box office and things like that, but... It's a first attempt at not telling a canon, like, a numbered. Mm -hmm. But even, like, the big 4K box set that's coming out this spring is just the Skywalker saga. No Rogue One or Solo included, as far as I know. And, like, so at the end of the day especially if they don't go the route of single character focused or spinoff movies like that, what will their ultimate legacy be? And I don't know. I, I don't think it will be anything as harsh as like the Ewok movies, because no. even though I enjoy those for what they are, they're obviously of much lower quality 
They're very dated. Yeah, very dated and not considered canon anymore. Like, it's not like you can go and buy those digitally or they're not on Disney+. Plus. You can't go buy them on Blu-ray. Like, they got a pretty shoddy printing on DVD and then that's been it, you know? I don't think Solo and Rogue One will suffer the same fate, but I do feel like they'll be weird outliers years and years from now. And we'll see. I think the fact that they're doing the Cassian series will reinforce Rogue One quite a bit, and that'll probably help its legacy. Solo stands a chance of being sort of forgotten if they don't go back to those actors and characters and those storylines at some point. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, before we got one more topic before we go on to hearing from you guys, and that is this week's release of... Um, The Rise of Kylo Ren, number three. It's been a <clears throat> comic series that Will and I have been pretty hyped about. We enjoyed the first two issues pretty well. Yeah. Um, I'll have to say the third issue, not my favorite. Uh, was talking to our buddy King Tom today, and we both sort of agreed that it kind of just seemed like it was treading water a bit. Uh, as opposed to the first two issues, which moved along and gave us so much information, you know? Yeah. Um, and insight into questions we've had for so long. Um, but this issue mainly deals with Kylo meeting up with the Knights of Ren. Like, so at the end of issue two, he contacts the leader, Ren, and he says, come to this planet and uh, we'll see about you joining up with us or whatever. Right. Um, so this opens with Kylo meeting up there and he shows up all beat up and stuff. And, um, and then it sort of goes back and forth between, I guess, quote unquote, current time with him meeting with the Knights of Ren and what happened when those three Jedi showed up to face Kylo. Um, and I don't know about you, but I think my favorite stuff from this issue ended up being, um, the flashbacks to Luke's temple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was cool to see. I loved seeing, uh, Luke training some of the, uh, apprentices or Padawans or whatever. And that was my favorite part of this issue because that's kind of what I wanted to see ever since I was a kid. Like, that's what I thought the next movie after return of the Jedi would always be. And, uh, just to see Luke in that element and, and see what some of the other students was like. Were like, we got like some some nice uh, character detail on these three Jedi that are chasing down Kylo. Um, and things go south, and they fight it out, and Kylo ends up killing one of them. He kills the uh, the squid face guy. I always forget their the alien species. Quarian. Quarian. He kills the Quarian guy. Um, which was kind of interesting. Cool. Who is the least combat proficient? He basically <clears throat> kills him because the Quarian Jedi can't stop, can't use the Force to stop the lightsaber coming at him. Basically, right? Because does he throw his saber at Kylo and then Kylo yes. directs it back to him? Yeah, Kylo. And that's what kills him. Reflects it back at him, and uh, because Kylo's got so much, and he. He force pushes this one chick off of this high ledge, but then in his conflictedness grabs her to hold on to her to keep her from falling. 
Right. And then the Quarian thinks can't see that, and he thinks that he killed her. Right. So he lashes so he throws out. Throws his lightsaber, and then he, you know, I get it. Kylo's got a lot going on. He didn't mean to kill. You know, didn't really want to kill him. Um, but you know, that's what happens. Right. And it's all sort of tied into how, um, in the first issue, you know, we see the Knights of Ren trying to recruit that guy, and they're talking about like a good death. You know, if you're gonna join us you have to be responsible for a good death or whatever and kylo was using this his as his example of this is my good death and he tells him the story and the leader of the knights of ren is like mm, i don't think that counts man you didn't really want to kill him yeah you know um he, and he's like but i killed a jedi right mm, could you call that padawan a jedi um, probably, you know, all things considered. Um, and then, so I guess the big question becomes what is going to be that good death that, that gets Kylo in with the Knights of Ren? And really, as of right now, I only see two possibilities. It's going to either be, um, probably the lady. I can't ever remember her name. The lady Jedi that is, is chasing down Kylo who yeah. they sort of established was sort of competitive with Kylo. Yeah. She as, tried to best him at every turn. Yeah, as they as they grew up training together. Um, the way Luke explained it was really cool about how, you know, a door being open. Mm -hmm. That I was actually, a really cool way to explain that. I actually saved that. I saved that little image, that little panel, for whenever anybody's like, uh, well, what about Ray? She was never trained or blah, blah, blah. Like anytime that sort of argument comes up. That's like, a perfect way to explain it. Right, exactly. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I think... Um, and for our listeners, we didn't really go into it. Luke basically says, um, you know, the force and your receptiveness to it is like opening a door. In, there is no one person stronger than the other than the force. It's simply how wide open is your door. The force can be a trickle or a river or a torrent, like or a flood. Um, some people just start with their door more open than the others, but every door is capable of being opened. All yeah, the yeah. I, I, there's just a lot of cool stuff as far as that is that goes. But I was I was hoping it would move the story along a little bit more. Especially since the next issue was the last one. Um, that just seems so inappropriate. I just uh, was I mean, kind of so hoping. much legs here, you know, like these stories have legs. Yeah. Although I'll say this. Uh, starting in either March or April, there's a new ongoing series starting called Star Wars Bounty Hunters. Okay. I am real excited about that one. Really excited. Yeah, we'll probably be touching on and covering that one on the show, if I had to guess. I could imagine. Um, it's... <clears throat> there's, I mean, there's just a lot. Um, like, I, I have so many questions that I don't know that this series can answer in one issue what what about the students that luke talks about in the last jedi that yep. leave with kylo is he talking about these three that leave that go after kylo does he think they leave with kylo and then 
they die and he never hears from them again or what? Like, I, I mean, that's kind of what it seems like because I mean, he could have reached out with the force to tell, but he may have cut himself off by then mm-hmm. in his grief. And then, um, why is Kylo saber fucked up? You know, like why does Kylo go from having his blue saber to the cross guard saber? Now I've sort of been of the mind that maybe Kylo tries to quote unquote bleed his Kyber crystal to turn it red. Right. And because of his conflicted nature, it doesn't go well. It cracks the Kyber crystal and causes the saber to fuck up so he has to modify it into the cross guard saber yeah um, I, that's just another one of those things that i don't necessarily well, know i had always assumed the cross guard saber was a relic it was like a uh because in rebels they make it seem like it's from a different era well that specific one in rebels that green one but kylo's if you look at the hilt of kylo's normal jedi saber and his cross guard saber, they're so similar in in design. And it kind so it's of... like you had to rebuild it. Right, or modify it, you know. And uh, I just don't know if that's the way they're going to go or if they're either, even going to explain it. And the other thing is, is, you know, I also have to keep in mind that they don't have to tell me everything right now. You know, there's well, plenty of opportunity to explore these stories further in the future. It's just there's so much that I wanted to know that I kind of well, thought might be in this series, you know. The lightsaber crystal thing has kind of gotten timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly because I'm not... There used to be red crystals and other color crystals. Now, like, you can com- you can convert a regular crystal... So, and you can purify a corrupted crystal? So I don't... Yes. Essentially, the reason Sith lightsabers are red is because they've corrupted. They've made the kyber crystal bleed. They've corrupted it with the dark side, as far as I understand. And then Ahsoka gets an Inquisitor's saber and purifies the crystals, and that turns them white, right? That's why she has the white uh, sabers. I think that's something they go over in the Ahsoka novel, right? But okay. I don't remember for sure when this was established, and this is no longer canon, but back in the day, I'm pretty sure it was established that the reason Sith lightsaber crystals were red was because they were synthetic. Yeah, that's what I remember. I remember real kyber crystals being, you know, the colors, and then Siths were red because they were manufactured. They were synthetic kyber crystals. But that's not the case anymore. And honestly, the the whole Sith ritual of corrupting the crystal or whatever, that's a it's cooler much, concept. It's much darker. It's yeah. much, yeah. And it, it's, I think it's cooler than just being like, oh, we made this shit. You know, you ever made crystals in a jar? That's what well, we it did. Also, it also defeats the purpose of the Empire having to mine all the kyber. Why not just synthesize all those kyber crystals and just have red beams? That's a good point. That is a good point. <clears throat> I didn't think about that, but you, you're right on with that. Like, if kyber crystals can be synthesized, then, yeah, they don't have to mine on Jeddah or on uh, Ilum to get kyber crystals for the Death Star and stuff. It's a very, very good point, buddy. 
Well, thank you. It doesn't happen often. No, no, I think it happens. I also often. had, I had a an idea for a T-shirt. Oh yeah. Um, do you want me to say it on the air? Or do you want me to tell you off air? No, tell me on air. I think it would be cool to have a T-shirt that's got an Ewok or maybe like Wicket, and it says Wu Tini, but instead of uh in but in the font of like Wu Tang, like the Wu Tang Clan. But, so it would need to be uh, a uh, a Jawa, right? Jawa, that's what I meant. Yeah, I'm mixing my my little ones. Put the Jawa on there. Put the Wu Tini in the Wu Tang font. I think that would be <laughs> gold. Oh man, um, that is a pretty good idea. I'm I'm seeing it in my mind. Grapes, right? So big... is it is it Wu Tini or is it Oo Tini though? I don't know. I thought it was Wu Tini, but we can look it up here. I'll will you can move on and I'll look it up. Well, uh, I don't know that I have much more to say about issue three of the rise of Kylo Ren. I think that I'm like I, the one thing I was saying before we quit it. Quit it was um, it's make I don't know. They're they are writing the Ren guy, the leader guy very i don't know likable i don't know he's i mean i hate to say likable but he's real cool with kylo ren coming in and like doing his little internship or whatever they're definitely taking a different approach to that character than i would have expected you know i thought he would have been a hard ass right you know prove yourself to me you know abusive mentor you know basically snoke like I didn't think he was going to be, you know, buddy bro, you you know, surfer guy. Right. It does seem like they're taking a different approach to it, which I like. Like, throw some variety in there. Don't make him just the brooding dark sider that's uh, super evil, which he he clearly is. He's he's influencing people to kill family and friends for a quote-unquote good death. To me, the most evil thing he's done was get a brother to kill his other brother and then kill the one that did it. Right. Um, that's, you know, that was good establishing his evilness or his chaoticness. I don't know if that's evil, but, um, uh, we got a name for grenade face. I can't remember what the name is, but grenade face got a name. Yeah. Well, so they finally gave all those dudes names in the visual dictionary and it is going to be a long time before I remember that shit. Cause there's like, Trudgeon is one of them. Um, I don't remember the other ones. They're they're all silly Star Wars names, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we do have names for the the Knights of Ren now, uh, and some of them uh, maybe a little silly. <clears throat> but that's all right. I mean, it's not like we heard them in the movie. Yeah. Um. So you want to do some emails and some voice messages and stuff? Sure. Yeah. Let's jump into that. The only Jedi master who can crash box Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his hud. Cockhead! To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Cockhead! What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. 
But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead! Luhurt! Cockhead! Harsberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! Kia D! Cockhead! Cockhead! All right. First up, we have, I mean, come on. It's King Tom, the king of all Toms. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Haas and Will. I'm calling with a sequel to a voicemail that I left a few weeks ago, the one where I came up with that theory that I'm, I'm rather enamored with, the one where I suggested that Palpatine Sheev had a plan all along to bring about the Sith Empire as far back as... You know, when he was just a senator on Naboo and when he was setting up the plan of the Sith, that he would take over the Empire, have the Empire take over the whole galaxy, and then after a few decades, when the galaxy was ripe for the picking, have the, the final order, the Sith Empire, come in and turn the Galactic Empire into a true Sith Empire. And I was talking with a, an acquaintance who saw The Rise of Skywalker, and kind of an old-school fan, and he, he liked the movie... But the one thing he said about the sequel trilogy, and this is something, a complaint that I had heard back, you know, a few months ago, is that he said that it seemed, the sequel trilogy kind of rendered everything that Luke Han and Leia did uh, meaningless. Uh, in that it didn't matter because Luke really didn't defeat the Emperor, and, you know, the Empire might have been, looked defeated, but they really weren't defeated. And for a second I thought he was on something, and I remember who pe people who had said that before The Rise of Skywalker came out. But then... I thought about my theory, and I started explaining it to him, and I came up with an answer to that, that what Luke and, and Leia and Han and all the members of the Rebel Alliance did, you know, the sacrifices of Obi-Wan and Yoda to establish Luke Skywalker as part of the lineage of the Jedi, that mattered more than ever. Because if you think about how, you know, because as far as I remember, you guys were on board with my theory, and I appreciate that. But if you think about that, you know, Sheev had this plan, and the plan was regardless, the Sith Empire was going to come in and take over. But if Luke and Leia hadn't acted together, it, you know, with Luke doing the spiritual force side of the things, and Leia and Mon Mothma, her father, forming the rebellion, taking on and even taking down the Empire, if they hadn't acted together, then the rebellion would have been crushed. There would have been no new republic to heal the galaxy after the Empire. You know, all of these planets out there, the systems, they wouldn't have had their defense fleets. Everyone would have been ground under the heel of the Empire. So if all that didn't happen in, you know, in the original trilogy from A New Hope through Return of the Jedi, there would have been no force led by Lando showing up at the last minute. There would have been, you know, no Rey to take on Palpatine face-to-face, -to, -face, to transmit the, 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 the coordinates of Exegol to Finn and Poe and the rest of the Resistance. So because Luke and, and Leia and Han, because they won in Return of the Jedi, even though they, they didn't completely win, they still set the galaxy up to win in the endgame. And that's what matters. So it's 
kind of a nice little, uh, I, I know I realize I'm tooting my own horn here, but it's a nice little addition to this idea, and I, I think I like it even more than better now. And I just thank you for letting me share it with you. And I realize I'm rambling here, so I'll, I'll stop. Anyway, thanks for listening, and thanks for the great podcast. I'll talk with you later. A toot toot. That's the sound of King Tom tooting his own horn. A toot toot. A toot toot. Um, I like that. You know, hey. The thing is, is like, if we were ever going to get a sequel to Return of the Jedi, then, like, that's the the price you pay for having sequels to the original trilogy is things are have gone to shit again. You can't have a Star War without the war. Star Peace coming to a theater near you. Yeah. Real it's, boring. It's, real starry. <laughs> it's real... It's just people having a good old time, man. Just a good old time. Adventure, well, chilling in space. And like, even the old EU eventually went back to the well and brought the Sith back, you know? So, you know, I'll be honest, like, I, like, I love King Tom's explanation, but that has never been something I was hung up on. It was, oh, it makes it seem like the original trilogy doesn't matter. And no, like they defeated it, the empire. Yeah. You know? It was to me, it doesn't invalidate anything. The, basically the emperor, you for the Luke Han and Leia foiled the emperor's plan. A right. Right. He had a backup plan. He had plan B where he could become zombie Palpatine and come back eventually. So, I mean, and then they also foiled plan B like, you, you know, the good guys foiled plan A and plan B. Right, and if they and hadn't just like, spoiled Plan A, the universe would have fallen in a very sooner time. Right, and just like King Tom said, without the sacrifices that they made during the original trilogy, then they're not in a place where they can defeat him in the sequel trilogy. He's a right. lich. He's a Sith lich. Sith and you gotta lich. De- you gotta destroy the phylactery if you really want to put the woo woo phylactery woo. You, ooh, I'm getting a little steamy over here with this phylactery talk. Mm-hmm. Somebody's been in their fucking D&D source books lately. Somebody's been living in the source book. Fucking phylactery, man. I'm telling you right now, Star Wars, you gotta work a phylactery in somewhere. I mean, they basically did. Like, right, that's... right. I just like it. I love... I love when you you pull into that deep well of D and D knowledge and do you? I feel I like it. most people hate it. You no. know, I, most people have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, you, you I should have said Horcrux. More people would know what a Horcrux is than a phylactery. Yeah, but what's a cooler name? I mean, yeah, which right. came first, too, by the way. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I hit a pothole and forgot what I was going to say. You, you wowed me with the phylactery talk. <laughs> I hit you with a lich-sized phyla- uh, uh, pothole. Yeah, get the, get that lich of phylactery. <laughs> Liches love. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's move on, and we'll hear from our buddy Jim. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, halls. Hey, wheel. How you gentlemen doing? Um, I had two little questions. Uh, one, the, the quick question is: Do you think? Ray has a double-edged yellow lightsaber. Um, it sure seems like it's too short, but 
uh, the thing that reinforces it to me is that when she couldn't get that training droid with her lightsaber, she threw it to distract it or to chase it around, and then she grabbed a long stick and very staff-like smashed uh, the droid. So it kind of makes me feel like it's double-edged. Um, the other one is the nine... The saga's over, and they never addressed, as far as in a movie, that Anakin was created. Um, and I was kind of hope I, I I was really only hoping <laughs> that she was a Skywalker to explain that she was somebody, because she, it's not so much that oh Ray, you know, tons of people were nobodies. Everybody was nobody. Uh, Mace Windu, Yoda, I mean, they're all quote-unquote nobodies. But um, when a nobody just shows up and takes out um, somebody that was trained by Luke Skywalker, is Skywalker blood, and was also trained by technically the Emperor, um, they should be pretty skilled. So it's like if you're... It's not so much saying that Rey doesn't need to be somebody to have her powers. It's more like... You know, it's kind of saying that the Skywalkers were nobody. Um, that uh, so I was hoping that they would say yes. Uh, the Emperor created Anakin, and he created Rey as well. But um, you know, just to give some explanation there, but they never did touch on it. How would you feel about that if uh, if things went that way? And I know that in the comic they said Anakin was created, but I don't know how canon that is. But all right, gentlemen, you guys have a great evening. See you. So um, I think it's possible that Ray's saber could be double-sided. I mean, the it is kind of short. It is kind of short. You know, that doesn't mean it couldn't be double-sided. Yeah, I think it's it's something that they could go either way with in the future. Yeah, I agree. You know, they could make it double-sided or they could see, keep, it, keep it single-bladed. Now, Jim, however, did you hear that, Will? He opened me up. To bring up that fucking panel from the comic book I saved earlier this yeah, week. Yeah, he did. So, this is the thing. I, and we've talked about this before. This is not like a slight against Jim. I don't give a fuck about who trained who or whatever. Right. When you have a force, when you have an element in Star Wars like the force, that answers any question about how Rey could beat Kylo, blah, blah, blah. The reason she could be Kylo is because she's the good guy. And the force is moving through her, regardless of who she's related to or not. For instance, Anakin had no training, and he could win the fucking Boonta Eve Classic. Something that no human's ever done before. So, regardless of who someone is, if the force is moving through you and influencing you, then you can do whatever the hell needs to be done through the will of the force, right? And right. so to bring up, I'll bring up this panel. I brought it up. And in Luke is talking to this character and he says, Ben isn't stronger, though. That's not how it works. The force can be a trickle, a stream, a river, a flood for anyone who can sense it. Think of yourself as a door. The wider you open, the more easily the force flows through you. Some people just start out with their door a bit more open, but any door can open wide. Right? Right. So. Well said. I think, well, that's Charles Sewell. That ain't me, buddy. 
Um, I think that does all the explanation you need about anything. Ray was more open. Who's to more the powerful and who's trained by who doesn't necessarily matter. The force and your connection an, to the force is an ever changing mm -hmm. and your presence and state of mind i think dictate your success <clears throat> in combat why did ray win in the force awaken she was calm her mind was at peace why did kylo ren lose he was raging he was in anger he was passionate his judgment was clouded yeah you know, and, and i he had also been shot by a fucking bowcaster moments before. He's not in the which, greatest physical health in that moment in The Force Awakens. Which, from what we know, is not your average blaster bolt. No, it was shooting people across the room and shit. Right. And uh, and Han Solo was all like, I like this thing. Um, and as far as, like, I don't know, was, was Jim asking if we would have liked Ray to have been a like a product of the midichlorians like Anakin, like created by the midichlorians. He's kind of asking how would we how would we be receptive to her being created? It wouldn't uh, bother me. It, I mean it wouldn't I would be cool with it. Uh I like so I like that she was born naturally. You know, I don't necessarily need her to be I don't necessarily think Anakin was created. And if he was, he was allowed to be created by the force. The Anakin, to me, is a balancing mechanism created by the Force. The Force always knew he was going to be good, then turn bad, then come back good. You know what I mean? Like, Right. So These are, we're talking big brain things here. <laughs> so the thing is, I'm glad they didn't go that route with her because I really, I have no need for an extra immaculate conception story on Star Wars. We got that right. once. One you know? was enough, and yeah. it's still hard enough to wrap your brain around. And you know? as far as the comic, he's... Um, referencing, it was actually a big point of contention in Star Wars fandom because there was this vision that Darth Vader had that made it seem like Palpatine created him. But they've gone above and beyond to explain that like that was a vision of Darth Vader's worst nightmare. That's what he fears. He's seeing his greatest fear is that he was created by Palpatine. So they've clarified that. I know it wasn't super clear in the comic and it confused a lot of people, but Matt Martin has gone out of his way to to recontextualize that and and clarify that. So I don't think that is, um, and it is canon. Like that comic is. Canon. He does dream that, but it's, but it's not, not a that, historical dream. It's a emotional fear dream, right? And it's not an explanation as so much as it is, like you said, an emotional reaction, fear dream of or something. All right. Uh, so next up, we got a voicemail from a, a new Tom. It says, hi, guys. Just a voicemail for the show. Thanks. Not King Tom. So this is from a, a new Tom. A new Tom has entered a the battlefield. regent of Toms hi, in the kingdom of Tomas. This is Tom in Sweden. Just wanted to say hi and thanks for the show. Um... I just wanted to say, uh, a few weeks ago, Hoz, you sounded a little bit uh, bummed about some of the responses to The Last Jedi. Um, I don't remember your exact words, but I believe it was it was something like, you know, I, I'm loving the movie, but I guess I'm the dumb one. Um, I just wanted to kind of encourage you and everyone else out there who uh, like the film, keep on liking it, keep on loving it. Um, don't let other people's uh, opinions 
you know, color your experience. Um, I guess it's a bit tricky this time because um, uh, it's not the usual cast of complainers. <laughs> it's a lot of our favorite YouTube, uh, our favorite podcasters that uh, have uh, big issues with the film. And I actually, I really get it. You know, um, I agree with a lot of the criticisms about the film. But uh, at the end of the day, I just, I think the Rise of Skywalker is just hit after hit of fun, excitement, uh, incredible designs, emotion. I, I love it. Um, I think especially after my third viewing, when I just kind of accepted the, the issues for what they were, um, now I, I really love the film. So, um, yeah, of course, everyone's going to have their own opinion. Uh, but I think it's a, a time to celebrate, you know, to go from thinking we'd never get a, or we'd have to wait a very, very long time for a new Star Wars film to... Well, now we have like five shiny brand new films uh, to enjoy. It's it's an amazing time. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are great. And, uh, yeah, this is uh, not King Tom signing off. Cheers. <laughs> Did you hear that, Will? From Sweden. That was some positivity from Hi. Not King Tom from Sweden. Not King Tom from Sweden. Oh, that's awesome. Very much appreciated, and I agree with him. I do too, man. You know, it's just, I don't know, I think man. he said The Last Jedi in the beginning, but he might have meant The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think that's But he may have meant both, uh, either or. The, the, <laughs> the meaning and sentiment behind the statement holds true. Yeah, and it's, it's easy to get confused. I mean, oh, oh, oh God, Jesse... Why would you do that? She Ooh, does. that was a jump scare. Yeah, it's not the worst I've ever had on a podcast, though. It's not the biggest scream she's ever gotten out of me. She's really startled me a couple of times. Um, do you remember, Will, early on in the show when Oliver from Sweden would write in? and you were? Oh, yeah, Jesse and I were convinced he was a catfish. Yeah, but you can't say that about our buddy Not King Tom, can you? Nope, nope. You can't. heard it. You heard it. That's so fucking crazy to me, man. We got... What, the people in Sweden would listen to us? Yeah. Yeah, like... Yeah. Well, if you like the Star Wars and you can understand the English, hopefully we're for you. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for calling in, Not King Tom. We really appreciate that. Yeah, and um, thank you for the positivity and the good message. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. And I back that up. Here, here. <laughs> All right. So we have a one last voicemail, and then we'll get to some emails. This is from our buddy, Tracy Moon. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Haas and Will. It's Tracy. As always, I've been enjoying the show. But then YouTube opened my eyes to something more sinister. This shit is like backwards messages in an Aussie song. Haas. You know what I'm talking about with this backward messaging shit. I thought that I understood the show, but then the auto-generated YouTube closed captions tell a much different story. Turn the captions on and see for yourself. For example, from a recent episode, the opening music was closed captioned as this. From my ally is the force and Nepal for colleges. 
they fleets, it makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must, the force around you. Okay, okay. That's okay. But then we get into the music ending, and you guys do the opening of the show. Episode 237 opens like this. I'm your host, Pauls Burkhart, and I'm your host, Will Wynn. My not balls her card, not balls heart heart. What the fuck? During the opening theme song of episode 235, there's a line in the song that is captioned, I have a jet, like my father before me. <laughs> I thought this shit was an X-Wing. Episode 234 had the following opening. I'm your host, Paul Burkhart, and I'm host Will Wooden. <laughs> Who the fuck is Paul Burkhart and Will Wooden? Is Bobby I captioning this shit? Then we get the best of them. The key of E song during episode 234. This is how it's captioned on YouTube. Kyoti candy head car. Oh, sorry. Kyoti candy car head. The only Jedi who can crash box. Candy head running around so your bitch with a stock ad needs a pig suey instead. He loves to split chicks. You know, then it kind of goes on. Then it goes into the stroke has Conan sucked on his balls. Kitty Hawk head. What you going to do when it comes on you now? He's a Jedi council dude. He's pulling spooge tomorrow. Car care. Burgazar will win. Change of dues paying charts. Angie mother charged a cheat on Jacques a show. Charge a TD. Chart a chart. I thought I knew you guys. Google tells me otherwise. You guys are up to some fucked up shit. Conan sucked <laughs> on his balls? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the auto-generated subtitles on our... Um, on our episode, so... They uh, provide you with a spell <laughs> that you can cast... Yes. ...that will... Uh, I don't know, bring Led Zeppelin directly to you for a personal concert. <laughs> so uh, our, our hosting service, Podbean, offers this thing where they will give you the audio of your show in a video format so you can post it to YouTube. That's initially what got me to start doing stuff for YouTube was that, you know, with real easily within an hour or within an hour or so of posting the show, I have a video that I can put up on YouTube. There's no actual video elements to it. It's just the audio. But, you know, I figured that's one more place to get the podcast out on, right? And the auto-generated subtitles for that prove to me that maybe AI isn't the giant threat that we all think it is just yet. Like, it's got some ways to go. It's calling me Paul's Burkhart. and well, talking you called about, yourself Paul's Burkhart before. Yeah, well... You know, <clears throat> the life of a man with an odd name. So, yeah, if you're ever feeling squirrely, I guess go watch our YouTube with the subtitles on and uh, see how badly it messes it up. Make sure you say all those words out loud and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if we all get together and chant it in unison, we'll uh, bring about episode 10 faster. 
we can summon the Palpatine. Yeah. Make it happen for real. Ian McDermott will just show up at your house. And I'll be like, hey, what's up, man? He'll be like, oh, not much. Unlimited power. <laughs> I'll be like, you did it. You said the line from that, that thing you did that one time. You did that one thing you did. <clears throat> All right, let's. Now hit me with some Shakespeare. Let's uh, <laughs> hit me. Because I'm pretty sure that guy's like professional Shakespearean actor. Oh, dude, at, at some of his panels at Celebration, they've got him to do readings from the Star Wars Shakespeare books. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's really cool. Oh, man. I want to see Ian McDermott, um, uh, Ian McKellen, and Patrick Stewart do the Star Wars Shakespeare. That would be incredible. Yeah, Those are heavyweight Shakespearean actors. All right. Uh, who do we got up next? All right. We've got our buddy Kyler. Hey, Halls and Will. Kyler again. I've always been a Star Wars fan my entire life, obviously, and a full-time gamer when I'm not at work, but I've always had an obsession with the Godzilla franchise, from the old and new movies to games, comics, and most importantly, collecting the figures. So I got to thinking and wanted to know what any of your niche fandoms or hobbies are. Keep up the best pod in the world, your friend from Florida, Kyler. Ooh, niche hobbies Mm. and interests. So... I mean, niche fandoms and hobbies. I'm I'm really into gaming myself, but I would say my favorite genre of games is I guess sort of a niche genre and that's JRPGs, Japanese RPGs. And I don't mean just the heavy hitters, your Dragon Quests and your Final Fantasies. I'll give pretty much any of them a try. Um really love Japanese RPGs. I also like Godzilla quite a bit. Same as Kyler, but I'm not into it as deep as him. I don't uh, collect the figures or anything, but I'll I love watching some Godzilla movies. Dude, they're good. Um, I need to look up the one. I had one that was my favorite when I was a kid, and it's it's this isn't the name of it, but it's Godzilla versus Jet Jaguar, which is like a big mech guy, guy in a oh, mech suit cool. or something. I had that one on VHS as a kid. Man, I wore that VHS out. Man. Um, wh- what about you, Will? Do you have any niche interests? Uh, I'm pretty sure our listeners know most of them. Yeah. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, um, anime. Right. Uh, foreign films. Uh, Japanese films. Um, foreign food. Uh, I'm trying to think of maybe my hobbies that I have not mentioned. I collect knives and swords. Yeah. I have <laughs> several firearms. I mean, that's kind of niche. Um, trying to think of some. Well, it's not something I have I've... a collection of cardigan sweaters. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's not something that I've done super recently, but I love building Gundams. Ooh, I used to do that. Yeah. I haven't done one in a little while, and it's honestly because I need some more display case sets set up because once you get those to put together, they're not the strongest things. Um, So the next, I have a couple that are unbuilt, and when I build them, I'd like to be able to have somewhere safe to put them. Absolutely. That's something I love to do. And 
I'll I'll just get models based on what they look at look like because I am by no means caught up on all the different Gundam shows. I've seen oh, your, your heavy not. hitters, but I haven't seen them all by any means. Uh, not as many uh, Gundam models as there are out. I saw the Barnes and Noble here has a bunch of Gundam models and a set of Gundam markers, and it made me think about you. Yeah, the next one I do, I'm going all out with the markers and everything. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, oh, I've yeah. never done that. I've just put the the models together, put the stickers and the decals on them. The next one I do all out weathering, Gundam markers, the whole shebang. That's making me want to do that. I used to do Gundam models uh, back in the day, and I did Legos. But having a, a toddler around, you don't do the yeah the choking hazard or breakable things anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, that makes me want to put together a Gundam model. I don't have time. I'm trying to beat Dragon Quest Eleven so Jesse doesn't peg me. Oh, you might as well just take the pegging. Yeah, we have this bet going on, right? Okay. Where we're both playing Dragon Quest Eleven right now, and this was all the the part of the bet that Jesse liked the best came from a uh, friend of the podcast, Aaron Boyd. Where so we're both playing Dragon Quest Eleven, and th- whoever wins, we're seeing who can a hundred percent the game first. Speaking of JRPGs, and if Jesse wins, she wants to peg me. Isn't that Ooh. fucked up? I don't know. It's a very dominant thing in the bet. I get it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just feel like, I don't, I don't know. Is it really? like She, she wants to pay. feel in charge. She, she wants to give it to you. She should feel in charge uh, most of the time. Most of the time. I, I guess she needs that extra 5% that ends with me crying curled up under a weighted blanket at night. With like Who knows? You could like it. Maybe. You could maybe. be like, did I say six inches? Better make it eight. <laughs> maybe I'll be fucking riding around on a magic carpet talking about all a, a whole new world. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it, you, you're really you're really making me consider this in a positive manner, Will. And that's why you're I'm my best friend. To. I'm trying to. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we have an email from our buddy, Mark. Halls and Will, the question was put forth a few episodes back. How does baby Yoda's species grow? I say cocoon. Mando wakes up to check in on the asset, and what does he find? An ooze-filled incubation pod on the Razor Crest. Favreau did say he isn't a baby Yoda, but something else? What is he? Maybe there is a sci-fi twist here with him being a flesh-eating, evolved, force-sensitive cannibal, a rival to Yoda's ancient race. Just putting that out there. The asset has shown kindness, but has also shown some dark tendencies, like frying the fire trooper and choking Cara Dune. Have a good, great pod. Blue Harvest. Best Star Wars chat out there. Cheers. Mark from Venice Beach. Um, well, I don't know if I like this idea of him being a flesh-eating <laughs> Yoda species. That would be kind of funny to see him all cocooned up, though. Yeah, it would. <laughs> if they do that, you know, you know they were like, "How do we, how do we get him off the table for a couple of episodes so the Mandalorian can go on an adventure?" This is a, a, a you know, when we're dealing with a fantasy, a, you know, science fiction fantasy world, space biology is not my strongest suit because, you know, it can go any which way. But you would assume that he's not hatched from an egg. I mean, could be, but. You know, maybe you know Yoda species seem mammalian and omnivorous, so yeah, 
Yep. I mean, we can assume they may suckle or, and clearly they eat meat and veggies. So I don't know. Very strongly suggestion of a mammal. They do have three toes and claws though. Yeah. I bet they hear for days. Oh man. I bet you they got real good hearing. It would only make sense. Uh, Okay. I don't. I think he is whatever Yoda species is. When you know, he said that Favreau said he's not a, a baby Yoda, I think that's literally he's not the baby. He's not Yoda baby. Like right. I think you're exactly right. About he's that. a baby version of whatever that species is. Yeah. He's not young Yoda. Okay. Next up, we have an email from uh, Richard. It's a strong name, Richard. Uh, he Good says, one. "I have a package headed your way, and here's the FedEx tracking number." not going to read that out for you fools. Uh, maybe leave the box closed up until you and Will are sitting at the table in Birmingham for the first ever fan fiction summit. I would love to hear that sp- spontaneous reaction when you open it. Maybe ask Jesse to open it and see the contents, just as long as she can keep a secret. If keeping secrets isn't her department, then just leave the tape on it. There's two in the box, one for you and Mr. Crusher. Um... So, update, we got that package today, and Jessie did check it out, and then she hid it from me, and has Ooh. not told me what it is, which they, that's the rules that Richard put forth, but whenever you get a chance, Will, whenever you have a free moment to take a little jaunty trip over to Birmingham and record the, the fan fiction, we'll, uh, we'll dig into that box and see what it is. I like the sound of this. I like it a lot. We'll see how it goes. So that's the plan as far as it is now. Boy, that's going to be embarrassing for me. I don't think it's only embarrassing if you let it be. If you let it be fun. I mean, you can't be embarrassed by, you know, eight year old you. Yeah, 14, but still 14 year old you. I mean, you know what I mean? All right. And this is an email from a buddy, Steve. Hey, guys. As you've been talking about the end of Resistance, I've been thinking about how it was billed as a racing show at first, but mostly turned into a First Order slash Resistance show. If you really go through current canon, the closest thing we have to a non-Rebel slash Empire story is Solo and Force Collector. So I'm wondering both, do you think there could be Star Wars stories without the war that could be popular with the more general public? We know we'd all there be there on opening day to watch Star Wars paint drying, and two, what genre do you would do you think would best fit the galactic, the GFFA? What does that stand for? Outside of war, rom com, sitcom, family comedy, adventure, etc. Thanks Since for we're all galaxy you do. far, far away. Oh, there we go. Uh, thanks for all you do, Steve. <coughs> yeah. There, the thing is, is like, even in Solo. The Empire, the whole thing is, the Empire is such a heavy presence, even in Solo. Like, he enlists in the Empire, but I do see what he's saying. It doesn't really focus on the war between the Rebellion and the Empire. He's he's dead on about that. Um, so, it, it really, I guess it depends on what, um, what era the story is set in. If you set a story in the age of rebellion or the age of resistance, I don't think you can 
do that without acknowledging sort of the state of the galaxy. If it's during the age of rebellion, then, you know, people are living under an oppressive empire, right? Right. Now, like he's talking about, you don't have to get into the whole conflict between the rebellion and the empire necessarily, but it's definitely, you know, that's the backdrop for what's going on. Right. So, you know, when you get into a different era of Star Wars, then you absolutely could not have to focus on the big militaristic force versus force type thing. Um, I mean, like military force, not like, ooh, mystical force. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the best format for Star Wars is adventure plus something else, be it adventure plus romance, adventure plus comedy, adventure plus espionage, espionage, adventure plus. Yeah. So as long as there's like a strong adventure element to it, there's really pretty much any, any genre I think you could explore. Agreed. Star Wars. It's an entire galaxy. Yeah. That means you have an entire galaxy's worth of stories. Any story that exists in our galaxy could have a Star Wars flavor to it. Right. Right. Um, and I guess, I mean, that's probably one of the big things. If you're one of the big wigs at Lucasfilm, that you got to figure out going forward is what tone do you want to go for? Which sort of genre of adventure do you want to explore? Um, hey man, I think the possibilities are limitless, but how do you nail down that one thing that's going to connect with people in a big way? <clears throat> and probably not a job I envy having. Cause if I, no. would, I was there in the meetings, I'd be like, um, have you guys ever considered like, I don't know, like having a good guy with a lightsaber fight and a bad guy with a red lightsaber or Hey, you know that Boba Fett guy? We could do something with him. <laughs> right, guys? Let's put the space bears in there. Everyone loves space bears. How about, uh, ooh, space raccoons. Uh, well, that's a little close to the... I don't want to hear about Guardians of the Galaxy. We can spice <laughs> them up and make them a little different, guys. We can make them nice and not assholes. I would love that. And and they could be space, space raccoons that... Well, one of them, he... Um, he wears Mandalorian armor, and he's got a jetpack, and he's green. And the other one is, uh, it's a lady space raccoon, and she's like, she's got a lightsaber, <laughs> and she, cause she's a scavenger. Huh? This is great ideas I'm giving you. That's, that is a new character I've come up with. That's Hall's nervous at a Lucasfilm meeting. <laughs> hey, uh. You guys... I think your voice would probably squeak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh, yeah. Or I would just... Because I have a couple of different reactions to be insanely nervous. The other one is to completely clam up. You would be silent. Yeah. Dead silent. And they'd be like, do you have anything to offer? And I'd be like, <clears throat> hold on. <clears throat> Clear my throat a lot. <clears throat> let, me, <coughs> let me get a sip of my drink real quick. Um, Hold on. Just one second. You'd be like... Um, did you, did, did you guys ever play Knights of the Old Republic on the PC or guess the, the original Xbox or Xbox One through backwards compatibility? Or the only thing I would be able to get out would be the, all the shitty ideas. Like, 
You ever played Gears of War? How about Gears of War Star Wars? Gears of Star Gears you of ever, Star Wars. You ever play Grand Theft Auto? What about, listen to me, what about Grand Theft Auto Star Wars? <laughs> They'd be like, well, we're really not taking pitches for video games. Oh, okay. Well, have you ever played, like, Mortal Kombat? <laughs> what about, like, Mortal Kombat Star Wars? And they'd be like, security, security, we need help. All right, thank you, Mr. Witten. I think we've heard enough. We really enjoyed your pitches. We'll call you back. Don't call us. For real. <laughs> yeah, for Do real. not call us. <laughs> We're changing our number. All right, so we got one more email, and then we'll wrap it up for the evening. This is from Fernando. Good evening, Halls and Will. I hope this email finds you well. Glad to hear you enjoyed the Tool concert. Because of you, I downloaded their music and have started to listen. I previously never had. I also wanted to congratulate you on episode 200 of Rogue One. Now on to my Star Wars thoughts. With all the updates that have come to Battlefront, I've found myself playing more and getting destroyed by a murderous volleyball. We talked about that last week. We did. Uh, that crazy little droid is fast as hell and seems to find me everywhere. It's like a little critter. Remember that movie? I do remember critters. Um, it's been a while since we played together. I believe the last time was with Mike and Johnny. It would be really cool to have a Moisture Farmers Battlefront event where you broadcast live on Twitch and wanted to ask you guys, or we broadcast live on Twitch. We can definitely organize something like that at some point. Uh, a little get together on uh, Xbox Live, get some people together and uh, probably play some Capital the Supremacy. It'd probably be the best mode to be able to get the most people in a group together, I would guess. You would think. Uh, also wanted to ask you guys that since we received the BB-8 hero update, what plausible hero updates could we receive? Could we see Asajj Ventress and Asaka... Asaka... Asaka Tano in an update? Um, I believe adding them could be easier as they both wield dual lightsabers and figuring out some game mechanics for the game engineer shouldn't be that difficult. Those two would make a lot of sense. I would only, the only thing I'd say is I'd kind of would have expected them to show up when they did all the Clone War stuff. When yeah, they added, right. You know, Grievous and Dooku and Anakin and Obi-Wan. Now, we know the next update is original trilogy focused, but after that, Maybe they go back to Clone Wars, especially with this new season coming out next week, by the way, that starts. That's exciting. Oh, my goodness. So I would say that's a possibility. And both of those characters, I think, would make strong additions to the heroes and villains roster. Um, I apologize for the long email. But lastly, now that the final season of Clone Wars is around the corner, what unfinished arc would you like to see in a comic book? I know you mentioned in episode 238 that you would have liked to see the exploration of the Sith Temple on Coruscant. Was there any other one you would have liked to see? I personally loved Dark Disciple, but boy, I would have also buy a graphic novel. Also, the Kylo Ren series is cool as fuck. Thanks for reading your buddy Fernando from Brooklyn. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm not super familiar with a lot of the unproduced Clone Wars arcs that they never got around to finishing. Uh, Dark Disciple would be cool to see in some sort of visual uh, depiction, be it 
like in a comic book or something. Will, I know you probably didn't have a chance to read that book. That is a book that stars Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress. Ah, uh, that seems like it would be a cool yeah. combo. Yeah, and it was an unused arc from Clone Wars. And it was a really good book, too. Um, so that would be cool to see in graphic novel form. Um, other than that, the only thing I can think of is some of the unused Boba stuff that they were going to do. And I'm pretty sure at some point they were going to have Boba in the armor or getting his armor. Maybe even facing off against Cad Bane. I'm not 100% sure. Like I said, I'm not the most educated on arcs that didn't end up getting made. But I think that would have been cool to see. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but I'm definitely down to see Asajj, Ventress, and Ahsoka added to... Um, Those both kind of seem like no-brainers to me. Yeah. Popular characters. Um, cool characters. Awesome characters. It would be so neat. Like, Both female. Yeah. Uh, Asajj, like, they could do... Asajj and Ahsoka, they could do so many different, like, costumes. Yeah, they have several different looks. Yeah, and even stuff that we haven't seen depicted besides, like, on the book cover for Dark Disciple and stuff for Asajj. And then Ahsoka, you've got several outfits from the Clone Wars, and then you have her Rebels look, which I think is the coolest version. So, and 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 then if you do that one, she could have the white lightsabers instead of the green ones. There's a lot of cool stuff they could do. So hopefully they do circle back around to that and and uh, and expand on that. Maybe add them. Then you know, there's probably I'm not. They're not popping in my head right off the bat, but there's probably more cool Clone Wars characters they could add that are specific yeah. to Clone Wars. You know, I mean, you got like your clones, like your fives and your Rex and stuff, but you kind of get that in the special forces that you can use during like... Yeah, the, the different skins. Mm-hmm. Now, if they really... And, like, and I'm serious. If they really want to get the player base kicking... And more active in Star Wars Battlefront 2, then you add Kiati Mundi. That's the hero that, we need. That'll bring everybody back. Yeah. Anyone that's left Battlefront 2 would come back to play Kiati. Yeah, they would. And his superpower would be to send out one of his wives to smack you in the face. I don't know if that's canon anymore, but we could make it canon. We it was it. at one point, and it until sure they was. change it on me, it stays <laughs> that way. Well, I think that's going to do it well, on that note. We'll leave you guys with that little germ in your brain to to ignite your imagination, to spark joy in your imagination. But uh, that'll do it for this week. Next week, uh, I don't think we'll be talking about Clone Wars, the first uh, episode, for a couple of weeks, because I think it starts on Friday. And we'll be recording on uh, Thursday, more than likely. Um, yeah, I believe it starts on Friday. So... We'll be covering something. We'll be talking Star Wars. Um, if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us out a whole lot. We're kind of coming close on 200 reviews. We need, a, hey, and this is my lucky number. We need 23 reviews to make it to 200. 23 reviews. And guys, I'm not trying to uh, like put you on the spot. 
But I see how many of you guys download the episodes. And I'm sure there's uh, like a 23 of you that could give us a hand there with a five-star iTunes review. It doesn't have to be the most eloquently written essay. No. You, you can just say, hey, I really like this. You probably like it too. Or you can just go in and rate it. You don't even have to write out a review. So, uh, and thank you to everybody that already has. That means a ton to us. Uh, also, it helps other people that like Star Wars and podcasts find our little Star Wars podcast. Exactly. And that just uh, helps everybody out. I don't know how, but it helps everybody out somehow. Grows the fam. Also, uh, if you like oyster our theme song, if, in, I thought you said the oyster farmer fan. Oyster farmer fan. I was like, we're farming oysters now? We going to char grill those bitches? Cause I'm raised in my throat with cheese. If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra. And you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And until next week, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Bill Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. (laughs) May the force be with us. (laughs) 